Tiger Bomb Sports Audio Entertainment presents The Process. Welcome back to The Process, everybody. It's your boy, Ralph. Excited to talk about some Week 8 NFL action. This is Season 5, Episode 10. Let's get it cracking. Guys, this is going to be some valuable free analysis for the Fantasy Football Weekend coming up tomorrow. That's already kind of kicked off because of Thursday. So, I'm your host, Ralph, once again. This is Tiger Bomb Sports Audio Entertainment's The Process. For the new folks, welcome. Love a first-time offender. For the uh, people who are coming back, maybe listened before, love ahead, welcome back. Love repeat offenders. Let's lay down where we can find each other, where you guys can find us. If you're looking for this valuable free football info, uh, first of all, www.tigerbombsae.com. That's the Tiger Bomb website. You can go there, listen to the process, click on the process page, watch the process via the YouTube channel there. You can also see the other podcasts we have, baseball, true crime, NASCAR. There's a lot of stuff going on. If you like to listen to your podcast on the go, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, we got you covered. Just search for sports, Tiger Bomb Sports Audio Entertainment. This podcast will pop up. You can like and subscribe. If you do it that way, you'll catch every episode of every podcast. They'll all be coming in through that one, um, you know, app, if you will, together. If you are a social media person, Facebook and Twitter, find us the same way at the process TBSAE. That's how we can stay connected, guys. That's the whole aim of the game is how do we navigate seasonal football? How do we navigate daily fantasy football? How do we win? What strategies are going to be tried and true so that we can trust the process and bring home the victory? That being said, we are almost to the halfway point of the season. These weeks really do fly by when you guys are grinding and having fun. So hopefully it's going your way. But uh, as we start week eight, I want to remind everybody to reset the clock. I know we talk about a lot of these things in housekeeping, but right up front, I'm going to say it this week, the season, the complexion of the season changes as we go along. So reset the clock. We know what we saw already. It's not necessarily the same thing we're going to keep seeing now. There's going to be different teams that slide up, different teams that slide back. You guys see who the Lions are today and now? Are they the same Lions from week one? Well, I mean, I, I think so, but... A lot of people would say no, right, based on this argument that I'm making. So just a word to the wise. Take inventory of what happened, but don't get overly invested. Things are about to change again. That's where this comes into play for us. So, guys, that's all I got for you as an opening. Excited to get down to the action that we need to cover this week. So we'll just hop right into our housekeeping. Housekeeping, housekeeping, me fluff your pillow, me fix your team, housekeeping. On to some housekeeping, we do have a couple of notes that we've got to take care of from this week. And um, first off, how did we do last week? Listen, seasonal wasn't great. Took it on the chin a few in a few matchups. But the thing that we have to remember is keeping everything in relevancy. I didn't lose because my best players were on buy and I lost. I lost because my team's lost. So there's something to be said about that. It was a tough week um, for me kind of across the board, which makes sense because my you know pre-draft rankings and things like that, I'm working off the same sort of rankings. And so tweaking here and there for standard PPR auction or whatever. But for the most part, this order is... Almost empirical. So no surprise to me, one team struggles, the other team struggles too, because I'm building those teams off the same data. So a lot of similar struggles. But season-wise, we're still in a great shape. Again, look at all the information. Hard for me to continue to be upset about a loss that I've had when I'm still number one seed in this particular league. I'm still most points scored, still most points scored against me. So... Building something special over there, not going to be deterred by a loss. If you if you are in a league team or you have a league team that is not doing well, two and five, something like that now, like we got to step it up. 
These are the sort of scenarios that we have to turn around because there's still so much football left to play. You can't just give in. You can't just mail it in. Um, so we need to figure out how do we gain that edge, right? Look at those points. How far apart are you really? Are we all butted up? Is it like, you know, 10 points separating five people or a little more spread out? So when I look at season-wise, not going to be upset about some of the losses incurred. DFS is a different story. Guys, I didn't bring back anything on DraftKings last week. And, you know, the funny thing about it is, you know, there's some regression going on here. Last year, we almost never had some player uh, leave the game because of injury and cost us, especially not in the cash game lineup. It just didn't happen a lot last year, which is why we were able to go on such a crazy tear of wins in a row. Well, this year has not been the same. We've seen uh, players go down each week that have affected our fantasy football outcomes. I mean, just there's so many constant examples. Last week was Nico Collins. I'm looking at it. The inclination is to think that he bust, right? But you see that he starts the game with three receptions right away, 30 yards, and then he goes down injured. So tanking a part of our, you know, uh, cash game lineup that we're depending on for the low value, right? You've got these players like Lazard leaving the game. You've got, you know, Lockett getting banged up. I'm on Ross St. Brown. We invested $7,400, and he just didn't play pretty much at all. Like, right away, he was done. So, you know, there. I'm surprised when I look at how often this continues to happen. Now, the thing about it is, that's a different outcome than me picking wrong people. Fair enough? So, we're not there. This isn't that we don't know what we're seeing, and we can't tell you who's going to be injured before these injuries occur right so i think moral of the story is how that we do not well but it makes sense why so there's no reason for me to get truly upset enough to change the strategy i'm gonna keep giving you guys the goods and we'll count on some regression to go our way all this is gonna you know have to catch up to reality but we actually have a bunch of people play and not get injured in the middle of the game all right, next housekeeping note for, for this week is, um, you know, as we're talking about DFS, let's lean into it a little bit. I've, I'm thinking DFS, listen, this is going to save you guys in seasonal. The reason why I think this is happening is because in years past, at this point in the season, you guys may have heard me say things like, your best players are on other rosters. So make trades, stop combing the wire, um, and go try to get better that way. The reason why I'm going to pull back on that this year, because again, every year is a little different, guys. I'm pulling back on that this year because I think DFS will save you in seasonal. The work we do for DFS, the guys we can identify for any given week are now the same players that we can use to get into position to win these weekly matchups because there's a lot of stuff out there on the wire. There's usable players. What I'm getting at is I'm watching people orchestrate trades or try to implement trades because you're thinking you need to upgrade and you're thinking probably what we always say, which is the other guys are on somebody else's team that's doing better than me. Let me go get those guys. Why are you giving up value to get a receiver when there are guys on the wire? Like, you can't be in a league where, for the most part, right, where Van Jefferson's already snatched up, where Josh Reynolds is snatched up, where there are players available. The, now, are these guys going to win your season for you? Probably not. Can they get you through the week? Probably, depending on how juicy the matchups are. I mentioned Reynolds for Detroit for a particular reason. I'm seeing guys in another league that I'm in make trades, try to get receivers that are getting like production to this guy. And he's just sitting on the wire. And plus matchups. Like they're playing Miami this week. Who have they stopped in the air? So is it really worth it to go and make a trade, you know, including a, a Claypool or somebody or whoever? It just doesn't make sense to me is what I'm getting at. And so we need to adjust to what we're seeing and realize that, if there's something pointing out in the DFS world that makes sense, we're going to have to try to pounce on that as opposed to make ridiculous trades where we don't come out on top. Hopefully that makes sense. Next housekeeping note for this week, 
you know, we've got some situations to monitor, so I want to put these things on the radar for you guys. I, um, a couple of different scenarios that we have to keep our eye on because this is how you win a season. This is how you win a season, though, is looking down the line and setting yourself up for players that today don't mean anything, but they will. I have various leagues where if you look at the bench, it makes no sense to you. You're like, you can't play any of these guys this week. I'm not trying to. I'm holding out for the you know positive outcomes later. I'm holding out for the handcuffs for later. I'm holding out for the receiver that's coming back from injury. So it looks like a bunch of nothing. But at any time, one of these guys could step up. You have a Pacheco sitting on your bench all year. And now they say that he's a starter. I know last week it didn't work out. But you want the guy that they say is going to get more reps. It's like as simple as that. There's a reason why they want to give him a shot over CEH. So, you know, what does it hurt you to put it on the bench? I'm playing the best guys anyway. Period. Right? So, there's no, who am I going to use this week? See, I think that's the problem with a lot of people. You want to have a great team and then a great bench. And then every week you want to tinker and who should I play? Nope. We want to play the same guys. I say a depth chart all the time. Play your guys. Everything on the bench is going to supplant us or possibly be upside. So situations to monitor with that in mind, the Kansas City backfield. Pacheco, like we said, get invested there if he's on the wire because they're going to start leaning on this kid just like they always do, like like they did with Hunt, down the stretch, right? You know, you're not just going to keep running Mahomes out there. Get, like once you start getting towards the playoffs, it's locked up a little bit. Maybe we want to take some of the pressure off him, you know, um, ease up the possibility that he gets hurt, knock on wood, but – all of a sudden, this team wants to run the football two, three weeks while you congruently are trying to win a championship. That's what we're talking about. So Kansas City backfield, stay invested. The Tennessee Titan quarterback room. This is a situation to monitor, and I wrote that, and literally less than uh, two hours later, we see, we hear that Tannehill's not going to go, and that Malik Willis is going to go. Malik Willis has rushing upside, which we know in today's NFL, if you have a quarterback who can throw it uh, proficiently and then also provide some upside with his legs, that's the key to success. The pocket passer standing back there chucking it, that's yesterday's NFL, guys. The best teams have these mobile-style quarterbacks who can at least provide the threat of running. Is Mahomes running every week? No, is he running for you know, 40 yards every week? No, but you know he can take off. And so you've got to consider that. Josh Allen's run for 100 yards every week, but you know he can take off. You've got to consider that. Malik Willis is one of these guys. And so we have to monitor this. I was going to say, even if he didn't play, start looking there, paying attention to what happens because Tannehill did the same thing with Mariota, like came in, took the job. Like they need something to give this team a shot in the arm. Better play at the quarterback position. Opens up the world for Henry. I like a lot of this. And so as a last minute addition to the DFS. Hadn't thought about this before. Not the best matchup. Still could go poorly for Willis. But we're going to take a chance. Because not peop- not many people are going to be on it at this point. So that's the, whole, that's the whole thing about DFS. Is getting on something before everybody else knows about it. If we could play him low on. He's only 5k on DraftKings this weekend, so we can actually stack the rest of the lineup, right? So just something to consider about how you build around that. Don't go crazy with the cash game thing, but we have some upside to work with because we found out so late in the Saturday he's the guy that's going to go. And I think there's a really good chance he just takes the job, right? And so if you're in a super flex or something like that, get him. If he's not already picked up, go get him. The Minnesota backfield we want to pay attention to as well because Dalvin Cook and that shoulder banged up. Guys, it's just a, I feel like it's a matter of time before he has to um, step off the field for a little bit of time. So you want to be invested in Madison. If you're the Cook owner, you can't. I don't know how you have Madison out there without thinking about it. So probably something, like I said, upside worth having on your bench. Does Madison profile well today, this weekend? No. He's the backup. It's not a great running matchup, but Cook goes down. All of a sudden, it's his backfield, right? Now, dude, that was nothing on your bench is an every-week starter. 
that's how you got Kenneth Walker, right? You're holding on to Penny's handcuff, like we talked about. So that's something we want to monitor, along with the Pittsburgh Pittsburgh backfield as well. If you got Najee, hopefully you've got um, Jalen Warren as well. A- another team looking for a shot in the arm. Uh, if something were to happen to Najee, I think they would love to see what they have in Warren and give him some run. So if you're the Najee owner, you can't be patrolling life without Warren right now because that offense could turn at any given moment if Najee goes down. Then we got to see what this guy has, and it can only go up. Like, they haven't had that much production. Okay, moving along with housekeeping. I know we got a lot of notes this week. Possible running back trades. We need to be aware of this stuff. Because these are, again, going to change the profiles of these teams. We're talking about remembering that the season profile is about to change. And so a part of that are these backfields. Possible running back trades. McKinnon. Because now the Pacheco's come up. They say he's a starter. What are they going to do with McKinnon? He's been looking decent. That's trade bait right there. So this is a guy who potentially may not see the field in KC, but he could easily go somewhere else and pick up, you know, 10, 12 touches a game. Hunt, Kareem Hunt, this is a, a guy where he could help out a lot of teams. You know, the, the Cleveland Browns have the you know luxury at the position to be able to afford to move him. We know he wants a trade. I thought the Jets were going to hop all over it is what I thought, but they went and got Robinson. But Hunt is out there. The trading deadline is November 1st. Cleveland plays on Monday night, so be careful if you're playing him. If he's going to get traded, he might not play, right? Um, now, if you've got Chubb and you got Hunt as your backup, I know not a lot of people do. I have that, fortunately, somewhere. Maybe get Darnish Johnson, too, right? So if at the last minute you hear that Hunt's not going to play and you still want to play both Cleveland running backs, you could you could play Chubb alone, but also not surrender the spot if you had Darnish Johnson, too, and cover yourself. If you don't have Darnish Johnson, it's going to be a little risky, Um because it's the last play on Monday. I don't know who you would pivot to. Just some stuff to keep in mind. Uh, another possible running back trade, Fournette. Listen, if the Bucks don't turn it around, what do you really need him for? We know they want to get Rashad White some touches, see what they got. He looks dynamic, explosive. Not going to be a whole lot of reason to hold on to playoff Lenny, especially if you guys can bring back a, re- a receiver of value. We ever think about that? You know, getting some more help for TB12 back there, who's going through his own stuff right now. So there's something to think about, too. But Leonard Fournette could easily have the complexion of his season changed overnight with one trade. And then I'm also going to say David Montgomery. Khalil Herbert looks awfully good. I, the Bears haven't made a lot of noise. It's the one that I feel the most least confident about. But Montgomery makes sense for a lot of teams, too. And so potentially uh, this is another guy who could – you know, open up the backfield for the Bears to Herbert by leaving, but then also, you know, still create the same amount of workload for himself somewhere else, potentially. The last running back one keeping an eye on is Jeff Wilson. Niners are entertaining because they have McCaffrey. Now they're entertaining offers for Wilson. So we'll see what comes of that. But those are the possible running back trades we need to be aware of. Another thing that I want to stress here, and this is the last note for housekeeping, Guys, we can't eat the bye week. We can't eat the bye week. You can't expect that your team is just going to snap back into place and you can afford the one loss. I assure you, you can't. I assure you, you can't. Because we're going into a scenario where you're you're going to continuously be at a disadvantage when you have guys on bye. And so your, your team is not at... You, you're thinking, oh, I can afford the one loss. Um, and then my team will be back to full strength. And, but it's not that. You don't have all your guys on by in one week, maybe most of them. But you're still going to be without key players moving forward for the next couple of weeks. So you're surrendering a loss thinking that you won't have any other losses. And that's just not true. We cannot eat the bye week. That being said, though, don't trade the farm. To make sure you win in the bye week, don't give up solid leverage that you need moving forward right like don't go crazy because you have a a guy in a bad matchup maybe a kid in a bad matchup this week um and then you don't have a running back or don't go crazy right so you have to find that balance i think that's how we win 
Um, but by all means, guys, don't eat the buy. I've seen a lot of people do this, and I, and I assure you it's a wrong move because you've not calculated the other losses that you're going to have. You weren't going to go undefeated anyway. So now you've thrown an extra one in there. That may be one too many to make the playoffs. Just something that you guys may want to keep in mind. Let's play a round of Would You Rather. Let's do a little Would You Rather. See who I would rather in these scenarios for week eight. Alrighty. Okay, first up, A.J. Brown or Ken Walker. Guys, I'm going to go with Ken Walker this week. It's not that Brown's in a terrible spot, but that offense is so diverse in terms of the Eagles. Like, who knows what Hurts needs to do. I think Hurts also is dangerous at the goal line, so lots of times he's looking to sneak it in and run it in himself, uh, which could keep A.J. Brown from scoring. But ultimately, I wouldn't be afraid he's going to have a bad day. Ken Walker's in a crushed spot, though. I think the path to victory is a little tougher for Geno and company passing through the air, and they're banged up. Um, both receivers are a little banged up, and so I, it makes perfect sense that um, that that they're going to lean on the run game a little bit. I think Pete Carroll gives this guy Walker the ball, so I would prefer him this week. Okay, Dante Foreman or Brandon Ayuk. So no Debo Samuel, which means Ayuk's going to get a lot of attention. I think this is a significant downgrade in the matchup for San Francisco. I like Foreman because Chubba Hubbard's not going to play. So he should see a bulk of the running carries for Carolina. Offense finally did something last week. So it looks like maybe they'll do something again this week. It's just Atlanta, right? So we'll see. Of the two, I would rather have Foreman by a mile. Foreman's price is so secure on um, DraftKings as well this weekend that we're going to need to use him to fit some things in. Daryl Henderson Jr. or George Pickens. I don't like the running back matchup for the Rams this week going against that Niners front. Uh, Pickens also not in the great spot, but I will take him. I think Deontay Johnson maybe get more attention from um, Darius Slay. And then that should open up things for Pickett a little bit. I mean, it could, I should say. I have a feeling Fryermuth is probably more of the beneficiary. Um, not going to be a fantastic day for either guy, I don't think. But I'd say more Pickens. I, I love to say Daryl Henderson, but these guys are not running the football with, like, just Henderson. Like, it's I, I just don't think that's going to happen. So, Zay Jones or Tyler Algier. Zay Jones continues to see at least five six targets a game um but we kind of know what he is now i think you know you're looking at 45 to 50 yards algier i think you're kind of looking at the same about 45 to 50 yards but with touchdown upside especially because atlanta just only wants to run the football they throw it an embarrassingly low amount of time so i'd say algier between the two of them uh michael carter or garrett wilson you know, I don't think Robinson is going to um, dominate the touches. Obviously still new, getting his um, head around the offense, getting integrated. But I don't think it's the best matchup versus New England either for Carter. Um, Garrett Wilson, though, probably an even less of a uh, um, appealing matchup because Wilson is going to struggle playing against Bill Belichick in this secondary. So I'd take Carter to find a little room. I think Wilson certainly could get uh, into a much more tougher day. Eno Benjamin or Romeo Dobbs. Well, let's go Eno Benjamin because the Packers just can't, they don't seem like a good football team right now. I think the defense is going to have to start leading the way more, but a lot of these guys are invisible, Dobbs included. Eno Benjamin uh, continuing to see the lion's share of the touches and what's a decent matchup for him. DraftKings, we like his price too. Let's say Eno. Aaron Jones or Brandon Ayuk, definitely Jones. Matchup don't even matter. They're not using Dylan. They're just using Jones. He showed off his receiving prowess last week. Easy, easy one right here. Cortland Sutton or Brian Robinson Jr. I just like the Broncos less with Russ Wilson. Um, and Brian Robinson is taking on more touches. We know McKissick's going to be hanging around. But we're okay with Brian Robinson in this scenario. Now, Brian Robinson again or Wendell uh, Robinson. If it was any, if it had been the past two, three weeks, I'd say Wandell. 
This week, we're going to say Brian Robinson. Against the Colts, I think the path to victory probably going to be a little easier if these guys will run the football. You do have great coverage out there in terms of what's going to happen with McLaurin, and they've been banged up at the wide receiver spot. So inconsistency at tight end. I'm leaning on Brian Robinson if I am um, this football staff. But uh, Wendell Robinson is going to have a tougher day against Seattle. They're also in Seattle, so remember it gets so loud there. Miscommunication uh, can easily happen. Let's go Robinson. We got another Robinson conundrum here. This one's Brian Robinson or George Pickens. We'll say Robinson again for the same reasons we don't like Pickens really this week. DJ Moore and Miles Sanders of the two. I'll go Miles Sanders. I know he shares time. I know Hurts scores touchdowns. I know there are other guys that could get touches in the backfield. But the core of what Philly wants to do is uh, run the football. And he's the lead back in that scenario, even though he's not getting all the touches. DJ Moore looked like he came alive last week with P.J. Walker. Going to need to see more of it before I recommend that, though. Sanders. And then finally, Cortland Sutton or Michael Carter. Um, I would have to say probably I'll go Sutton. But, man, it's not comfortable having to lean on Russ or, or rely on Russ. And the things he's saying is so cringy, too. I just... It's a London game. I don't know what's going to happen over there, guys. I'm just praying that um, he doesn't tank this offense. But Corlin Sutton will say because we know Carter's going to have a um, pretty tough matchup. So that's our Would You Rather for the week. Hopefully that helps you guys decide who you would rather. And now it's time for the process to reload. All right, guys, we know what time it is, so let's keep it rolling as we reload. Uh, we can quickly go over Thursday night. <clears throat> Baltimore 27, Tampa Bay 22, getting closer to TB12. They were able to um, have a better performance this week than obviously they did last week. Tom's not used to losing two in a row. This record is probably his worst in quite some time, losing record. Not a lot to be happy about, but they came so much closer. Baltimore rolls. Um, Lamar has a better game. Two weeks ago, it was a little tough seeing him get 10 points. They were able to shine a little bit more. This Baltimore backfield is in disarray. It's like I'm watching mid-game. It's like I want to get rid of all of you guys right now. It doesn't pay to try to play the carousel with them. You want to go back to Drake, think he's the guy now because Gus's injury is not that bad. Maybe he's the guy. Somebody else can have it. It's such a headache, and really none of those guys – are producing near enough points to keep being invested in that. Jettison those uh, spots on your uh, rosters and look somewhere else seasonal. DFS-wise, um, hasn't really been helping us outside of playing Lamar and obviously Andrews, who's been you know uh, not trending up, we'll say, lately. I'm not going to say down. He's not down. He's the main target there. But as this team continues to get healthy, maybe Baltimore can get a little tougher. I don't see them as a... It was one of the better teams in the AFC just yet. They're not up there with the Bills just yet. Um, they might not be as good as Miami with the healthy Tua, but it's a step in the right direction. Reload. Denver at Jacksonville onto Sunday, onto the Monday game, 6 a.m. my time. We'll not be getting up to watch that one in real time. As I said before, the story with Denver is Russ Wilson and the way that he looks washed, the way that he's killing this team. The comments, you know, about his teammates sleeping while he's doing workouts in the out. I, I just thought all that was so stupid. I, I fail to see how this team can continue to stay invested in him for too much longer. You get Ripien in last week, and that was enough to activate Judy. In fact, Judy hasn't been terrible. Uh, three catches for 50 in four straight games. He has two scores this season, but uh, none in three games. So, we want him to keep coming on. Another 50-yard game. If he can get in the box, that's perfect. Jacksonville, bit of a rush. Can pose some problems. I don't see a lot of points in this one. Denver's going to try to augment what they want to do in the air uh, by by running the football. So a little bit of Latavius Murray sprinkled in, a little bit of Melvin Gordon. But I'm not overly excited about any of those guys. Uh, Sutton. Uh, Judy, these are the guys we want to look for. Sutton more than Judy. But Jacksonville certainly is no slouch on defense. So I don't think that 
this runs away. I think Denver's defense has a chance to play well. I'm much more invested in that. We know this is Etienne's backfield now, but this game in particular, probably not going to be a great game to see him shine. Um, as far as the Jacksonville receivers go, I don't see anybody blowing up. Maybe Christian Kirk has himself a decent game. Um, but much more likely is I could see the Denver defense causing some turnovers. They've been coming on. I think Denver wins this game in like a not fun fashion, just like they did against the Colts. So I don't have a whole bunch of recommendations for plays there. Reload. Carolina at Atlanta. Carolina coming off the win against TB12, feeling great about themselves. Going to Atlanta, hoping to double up here. Uh, we know what the what the Falcons are. They don't want to pass the football, guys. 21 attempts, like last game, like that's crazy. Um, they don't want to pass the football uh, at all. 13 attempts in one game. So they want to run. Cordell Patterson's not even back yet. So we can't truly trust any of these backs. But Algier seems to be usable if you're in a pension season-wide DFS. We don't need to get there, especially against this Carolina defense this week. Um, you know, I would say the path to victory is probably through the air, but Atlanta doesn't seem to want to do that. You'd love to say that, you know, London is in play, but I can't go there. Pitt seems like he'd be a decent play. Um, but I, again, I won't recommend that. Let's just be surprised if it works out. Algiers is the only thing you're looking at on the Atlanta side. He went 16 for 50 last game with the touchdown. Last four games, he's gone 10 attempts for 45 yards each time out. He's averaging 14 attempts for 58 yards on the ground. So that's a nice baseline if you need seasonal help. That's about the only thing we could recommend there for, for Atlanta. On the Carolina side of things, uh, P.J. Walker, I think, makes this team look better than they have all year. Um, Chubba Hubbard is out, and so you're looking at Dante Foreman getting most of the run. He seemed explosive last week, but it's not going to be all him. You know, they'll have another back mix in. But Foreman, the price is so low. We heard about the injury to Hubbard late, and so it works. And he's only $5,300 on DraftKings. we got to exploit that. So we will against this Atlanta team. I mean, you know, they're not the, the best team to run on. In fact, if you want to pass against them, that's the way that you can do it. But there should be some floor for Foreman because of the uh, amount of touches he should receive. Now, in terms of the Carolina offense, who are they looking to pass to? I mean, DJ Moore, you want to get the ball to him, but A.J. Terrell will probably go. So in that respect, uh, maybe this opens things up for some of the other receivers. But I'm not going to recommend a Terrence Mitchell or a Shai Smith or any of these other guys for that matter. Um, in a game that seems like a truly a toss-up game, I'm going to say Carolina rolls off the TB12 win. I, I, You know, Atlanta is not, a, you know, no, I'll go with Atlanta. I'll just say that their defense keeps them in the game. I don't think P.J. Walker is going to be the next Tom Brady, right? And so I think he looked fine last week, but maybe things get a little bit more precarious this week. I'll give it to Atlanta just because they're at home. But honestly, guys, if it was Carolina, I'd probably take them if they were at home. Reload, Chicago at Dallas. Listen, Chicago, uh, pretty stout against the pass. So Dak didn't look great last week. Um, I don't think a lot of people are overly excited to play these guys this week. If you got it in season, roll them out and feel fine about it. DFS, not going to play the receivers, but I am going to play Dak because I'm interested in a guy that has proven talent that nobody's looking to play because the Bears are a sieve on the ground against the run. So, that's the way to attack this team. There's Doubtfully, we're looking at seeing Zeke. Um, hasn't been ruled out yet. It's doubtful. He's banged up, though. Either way, we should see enough Pollard. That price is uh, nice enough on DFS to where that fits for what we want to do there. Season-wide, roll him out and feel great about it. That should be the path to victory. Maybe they can uh, open up some play action and move the ball down the field. So, I'm not completely out on the Dallas offense. But their defense should lead the way against Chicago at home here um you know chicago wants to run the football that is not the way to attack dallas i don't think chicago has playmakers in the air um i know fields has been sh you know showcasing what he can do but i think dallas as long as parson goes i know he's questionable but <coughs> excuse me dallas has enough i think that they can pull it off oh i'm sorry guys i'm looking for my power aid here yeah, I think Dallas has enough to pull it off. And so defense should lead the way. We're going to recommend them for DFS for sure. Certainly them and Pollock. 
Tough game for Chicago. They're going to try not to embarrass themselves, but there's a lot going against them. If they have to uh, try to play catch-up, it could lead to turnovers. That could be bad. Reload. Miami at Detroit. Listen, everybody's down on golf. I think it's a home road splits thing, so I'm back in this week, and we're going to use them for DFS for cash games because the matchup is soft versus Miami. They're a little tougher on the run, so less of a path to victory there. Now Detroit is you know healthy at running back again, so Swift's going to play. But we know he gets vultured at the goal line by Williams, and so I don't want to pay up for Swift. Um, I don't want to just rely on Williams' touchdowns because he might not get those. But everything else looks fine for Detroit. Hawkinson, the golf, that seems fine against Miami. I don't see why that's going to be precarious at all. I, I love that a lot. Um, but as far as the receivers go, I like Josh Reynolds. That's just a security blanket style uh, contender for golf. Came over uh, from L.A. just like golf. They had started making chemistry in L.A., when his back's against the wall, he looks for that kid. So I'm looking for him this week. He's only 5K on DK, so we want to get invested there. Season-wide, this is another guy if you need to plug a hole for a week. Do it. This is the matchup to do it. Khalifa Raymond's hanging out around there, though. We know that for sure. Uh, St. Brown, I don't think he's going to play. If he does play, that's great. I don't think I want to uh, get invested there, but I ultimately don't think he's going to play. So I feel like my, uh, Detroit has all the receivers beside him. Uh, and the running back room is healthy, too. Uh, the reason why I like them is because they their defense is bad. So Miami should be able to move the ball on the other side. Very much like this idea of um, you know the run game being in a good place. But Miami, I can't see them leaning on the run. Just because the 49ers lean on the run does not mean that this team and this coach, uh, is, is, is Mike Daniels, is going to lean on the run. We've not seen him willing to do that at all this year. Even when they lost Tua and they had to put in Teddy, they still chuck it, right? They did not turtle up. So I can't see a scenario where all of a sudden Mostert just runs wild, um, even though he's in a very good spot. I think it's going to be Tua. I think it's going to be Hill. I think it's going to be Waddle. And we've got a lot of interest in Waddle for DFS because the price is soft at 6700 versus Hill. But ultimately... Extremely interested in Hill, too. I don't think I get there price-wise. But season-wide, great play. Play them and feel good about it. But I like the idea that this Miami team is able to push golf and company to the numbers that we need for them to be successful. Miami's too much firepower, though. They'll find a way to win this one on the road. Golf might even have a flimsy turnover here or there. But should play better being in Detroit in the Dome. Reload. Arizona at Minnesota. Expecting a lot of fireworks here. Uh, Arizona, definitely a little tougher against the run, like I said. So Dalvin Cook, probably going to see, um, you know, I think that as the least path to victory. Plus, as I said, he's been a little banged up. Hopefully um, the week off helps him. I, but I just, I don't see a whole lot of upside with the run game with Minnesota. Now, Passing, that's different. Justin Jefferson, definitely in play. I think they'll be able to scheme up ways to get him open and mismatch for sure. Irv Smith, in play, but I feel like it's only like a touchdown prop. Like he's like, I don't think he runs up and down the field, but Arizona's so bad against the tight end. At the goal line, he's definitely in play. Thielen's in play as well. Any attention that Arizona can pay, they're going to try to pay to Jefferson. I don't think that they'll be able to stop him anyway, so I'm fine with it. But Thielen's also in play. All these guys are in play. Cousins is a second-half quarterback, second-half-of-the-year quarterback. So I think it's time for him to start coming on, and I'm fully expecting that we'll see that. Um, as far as the Arizona side of things go, Eno is going to get you know a lion's share of the touches again. Connor's still out, and we like that. This Minnesota defense is soft enough to where he can find some success. We like Kyler a lot this week, though, because they should have to – try to keep up with an explosive Minnesota who's at home. Love um, uh, uh, Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins, got back involved last week, came out of the gates with his week one very good. So we're expecting more of that this week against a, a, an opponent that isn't too tough in the secondary. But ultimately, I like Rondell Moore too, opening up things if they do want to pay attention to Hopkins. Ertz is in a good place as well. Um, obviously, Hopkins coming back does hurt Ertz, but especially if they move Hopkins around. I love Hopkins, though. Then it becomes less of a thing to game plan against him. We noticed this last week. Arizona typically does not move wide receivers. Everybody lines up where they line up. 
but they moved Hopkins all around last week. So maybe this is a new wrinkle moving forward. Uh, but ultimately, they're a better football team than Minnesota is. I think Minnesota has you know, quietly been playing the role of pretender. The run game isn't as strong as it needs to be. Um, I don't think that the style of running that they're doing utilizes the lineman and the running back that they have. I do think Arizona finds a way to win this one on the road so they can keep pace in the NFC West. Reload. Vegas at New Orleans. Should be a fun one. I'm expecting a, a bunch of fireworks here. Uh, you know, the thing about the Raiders is the passing game should be in play. The, um, we haven't seen New Orleans able to stop anybody, and they've been banged up as far as Lattimore goes. And so, you know, Devontae Adams, we love him. He's in play. You want to say Renfro, but Hollins is hanging around, you know, and it's not even a health thing now. You know, Hollins is just a part of what they're doing. Look, Hunter Renfro leads all receivers in fumbles with three. So that's probably leaning into a little bit more of this let's – target Mac Hollins, who's a big, strong receiver. Derek Carr has a 125.2 passer rating when targeting Hollins this season. So I don't think that's going away. These guys are in play. Season-wide, fine. Uh, DFS, I don't think I get to Hollins, but Adams certainly in play. Jacobs, I like Jacobs. Um, I, I, you know, New Orleans, not terrible against the run, but not great either. I think he'll find fair success. I know he's been ripping it up. Jacobs very well could be an MVP candidate right now uh, at this point in the season, the way he's put the Raiders on his back. So I think he has a chance to be effective. DFS, I'm probably going in other directions. I'm paying down so I could pay up for receiver. It's nothing personal against him. But if you, you want to roll him out, great. Season-wide, feel great about it. Roll him out. On the New Orleans side of things, we're not going to see Mike Thomas. We're not going to see uh, Jarvis Landry either. He's going to continue to be the Chris Olave show. They've shown a willingness to scheme it up to get it to him, uh, even if he is you know, one of the only receivers that they have healthy out there. So I don't see why that doesn't continue this week against a Vegas secondary that isn't too daunting. And they've got some undersized guys. So I like Olave um, you know, just getting it tossed up from Dalton, who's going to start again for Winston. This team is moving towards Dalton just being the quarterback, and I'm not sure that's a better thing for them. But it's not our decision. We got to play what we see. So this week, um, I like Kamara for sure. Vegas is not that tough up front. Offensively, New Orleans should be able to get things going and force Vegas to keep up. That's why Carr should be fine. You know, I, I don't know how much upside he provides, so we can't really go for him. Just play Adams if you want to get invested. I do think Waller comes back, but not a great matchup for him. So whether it's him or Moreau, I would be out. Um on the other side of things, Taysom Hill, no longer a tight end on DraftKings. Love that. You got to play him at quarterback if you want to play him. I'm not interested there in any of those tricks, but I think that Dalton does enough to uh, move the offense. However, I'm going to take the Raiders in this game because talent will win out. They have more of their talented players healthy than the Saints do. The Saints will be at home. It'll be tough. But I think Vegas has enough, led by Carr and Jacobs and Adams and Hollins. They got enough to go get it done. Reload. New England at the Jets. New England still sound defensively. I know we saw a big upset against the Bears last week, but I don't think that Wilson poses the same. Zach Wilson doesn't pose the same threat as Justin Fields does, right? Now, the spy that they used, probably not the best case scenario for New England last week. It was more of a case of, dude, like you should have had a better plan for the running quarterback. I think it was a lack of respect for Fields' willingness to take off and really lead things. So, Bill forced him to do it. He did it. This week's different. We don't have to worry about Zach Wilson doing that. I think the New England defense is in a better place. Uh, but on the other side of things, the Jets play defense as well. That's been the cornerstone leading them. I know we've, you know... Thought about Brees Hall a lot and some of the other players, you know, Wilson, Garrett Wilson. But listen, it's the Jets defense. And Sauce Gardner, who's been really great as advertised, despite being targeted 40 times. That's tied for 12th most among cornerbacks so far this year. So people are throwing at him, but he's given up just 17 receptions for 151 yards and one touchdown all year. He has a coverage grade of 82.9. That's ranking third right now among 142 cornerbacks who've all played at least 50 snaps uh, so far in coverage. He leads the NFL with 10 forced incompletions. He has a 25% forced incompletion rate 
that's the best mark in the NFL with players um, with 35-plus targets. He's balling out. So in terms of what New England may be able to do, I don't think it's going to be so simple as get it to uh, Jacoby Myers, right? He'll take that out. Now, the other thing is the Jets are pretty stout against the run, too. So I'm not looking at Stevenson or any of the other backs to go crazy. Um, and we also don't know who New England's going to play at quarterback. I think it's going to be a mix of the two. But I like Hunter Henry. If they can get him the ball, great. The running game will do some sufficient things. I like the ancillary receivers outside of Myers because it does fall apart a little more for the Jets there. But it's going to be a tougher game for New England because the Jets' defense is for real. Um, for the Jets, you know, passing the ball against New England, probably not the path to victory. You're going to need to lean more on the run. So you're looking at Carter, but it's ultimately not a great matchup anyway. Um, we will see some Robinson mixed in. I don't expect a, a ton of usage or a ton of upside from him. Uh, but as far as, you know, what the Jets can do, I think the defense leads the, leads the way. But New England wins an ugly one, basically. Reload. Pittsburgh at Philly, the Battle of Pennsylvania. Steelers going over to Philadelphia. Philadelphia coming off the bye. This is going to be a Philadelphia game for sure. Hurts for sure. He's in play for sure. That run game looks great for sure. Uh, you know, I don't mind the Philly receivers, but I'm not going to, uh, you know, season wide play them and feel great about it. You know, Devontae Smith and uh, A.J. Brown, but I'm, I'm not overly enthralled in DFS with them or Goddard this week. But again, seasonal, you got to play it, feel fine, we'll win there with it. But um, Philadelphia's defense is going to lead the way. They also trade for Robert Quinn from the Bears, and so getting a little tougher up front. It's going to be tough for Pittsburgh. It's going to be tough for our boy, Kenny Pickett. Um, I think that he will be able to get the ball out to Friermuth, though. The path to victory against Philadelphia is running the ball. The problem with that is Pittsburgh's offensive line is such trash. So you do want to see them run the ball. I just don't know how much success they'll have. For DFS, Najee Harris is so cheap, though, that I think that it's appealing from, from a standpoint of can he pay off. I think that we can get there. So I have some interest in him. For that reason, even though I don't think they're going to win this football game, the Philly defense is strong in play. Uh, Hurts is strong in play. Everything else um, can work out but doesn't need to. I think it'll be a easier game for this team to win. Reload. Tennessee at Houston. Malik Willis time, y'all. I don't think the matchup is great, as I mentioned before. However, he's got running upside, which could make the matchup better. I do think that this is good for Woods. Uh, you want to play the two of them together. That's cool. You can do that too if you like. Um, or mix in another receiver. I don't think you have to. You can play Willis empty though because of the running upside. Um, but maybe not a play for this week. I will play it for Price for DFS because it's a surprise. Most people won't be playing him. So we're going to play him. But moving forward, seasonal. He may have some juicy matchups that we can take advantage of. So go out and get him. But I think that this makes Tennessee a little bit more viable. We love Henry. Henry should lead the way. Houston can't stop the run. So Tennessee should pound the run. This should be a classic Derrick Henry game. On the Texas side of the ball, Davis Mills has been coming on a little bit. We used him last week. It didn't work out terribly. Love the idea of going back to him in tournaments this week. Um, no Nico Collins, so we know we got to look for Cooks, right? But I think they should be able to get the ball to him all the same. Tennessee is not great in the secondary. Davis Mills went 302 yards, two touchdowns and a pick on 41 passes last week. That was his second game in three with two passing scores. Um, last week was his first outing of 250 yards this season. Um, 301 and three last season in the matchup is what he did. So this was a good matchup for him last year. This should be another good matchup for him this year. He has no picks in four of five at home and they're at home. So we love Mills. The opponent allows the eighth most fantasy points to QBs per game. Mill, Will, I'm sorry, Mills. We love Mills. Makes it almost tempting to want to use him in cash games. But uh, between him and golf, I just think that the price difference, like, you know, being $300, like, I'm not worried about that, right? So, but uh, definitely in play. Pierce a little less in play. Cooks for sure. Collins going to sit. I don't like any other receivers or tight ends for them. Uh, but Houston's hoping that their defense can show up. I would have given this game to Houston, um, but I think it's Tennessee now because of uh, obviously Henry, but Malik Willis provides some upside 
Um, so I think that this does shift gears for Tennessee now in a very big way. Excited to see how this one plays out. Reload. Washington at Indianapolis. Guys, they know that Matt Ryan is washed, and so they're turning to uh, Ellinger, I think it is, uh, Sam Ellinger. So this is better for the offense, basically, guys. Traditionally, the Colts, the problem, though, is the offensive line. They've allowed 59 pressures in the past four weeks as an offensive line. That's the most in the NFL. So regardless of who's back there, I don't think you know putting this young kid back there and hoping for a lot more success is, is necessarily going to pan out. But that's where we are, right? Reich's got to do something or, or lose the job. So they'll do that. You should lead the way with Taylor, though. Washington's little, you know, they're not slouches against the run. You can run on them. And I think they're going to try to do that. Lean on Taylor. That's what I would do. Not a great matchup. I'm sorry, it is a great matchup for Pittman. But I don't know how much he can be activated by the backup quarterback in his first start. So I'll just stay away. Um, but certainly... You know, the other reason I'll stay away, too, is because um, Paris Campbell coming on, too. So it's harder to say who between the two of them and Alec Pierce now, too. So, nope, I don't want to get involved in any of that if I don't have to. Um, and ultimately, I don't trust the offensive line, which is why I think that the offense isn't going to go crazy. Because the line will make Washington's defense look good. We love the idea of Washington's defense for DFS. They're only $2,600. we are going to need that uh, to make a lot of things work. And so we'll go there. On the Washington side of the ball, Brian Robinson continues to assert himself. This is a matchup to where he should continue to do that even more so. Love him in this one. Uh, you know, can Washington and Heineke activate um, McLaurin in this game? I don't think so. Not against this Indianapolis secondary. The other receivers are banged up. I'm looking at the run and the defense leading the way here. Uh but as far as Indianapolis goes, I, I think they have the better chance. They're at home. They've got Taylor, and their defense is probably a little better than Washington. So I'm going to go ahead and say Indianapolis wins this one. But Washington doesn't embarrass themselves. I think Indy's O-line makes the game closer than it needs to be. Reload. Now we go to San Fran at L.A. Big old rivalry game. Um, now, as I said before, Debo Samuel is going to sit. So this changes the complexion for San Francisco. Um, but let's talk Rams. You know, we were talking about Henderson earlier, potentially tough matchup against San Francisco on the ground. But the other th reason why you can't just play him, even in that would you rather, I don't want to play him, is because I was remembering that the Rams, the last time they played, they ran seven plays where wide receivers ran the football. So they're not running the ball a lot, and Henderson's sharing a lot of the run too. So I don't necessarily... Feel really good about that at all, guys. Cooper Cup's in play, though. Don't let anybody tell you differently. And then Tyler Higby, too. Those are the two pieces that I'm looking at. The Rams' defense is more in play, though. Um, now, they will get Van Jefferson back, I'll have to say. They're expecting him back in the starting lineup. They need that deep threat on the perimeter. Um, last year, he averaged 16 yards per reception, so hopefully he can return to that greatness for them. Um, but the problem there again, and, and this is why I like the intermediary and I like cup moving around is because the Rams have the league's worst pass blocking efficiency and they're averaging just one yard before contact in the run game tied for fifth worst mark in the NFL. That line is as bad as I've been saying, as we've been saying. And so that's not going to lend itself to a lot of time. This is why Stafford's making these mistakes, get it out to cup, get it out to Higby and the defense will lead the way. The San Francisco side of things, I don't think CMC's in for a great game. The Rams are pretty stout up front. I'm sure they'll try to get it to him on swing passes and whatnot. I'm just not interested. No Debo really focuses things down. Kittle's not in a great matchup either. So CMC, you want to play him in seasonal for sure, go for it. Ayuk, uh, you can play him too. But he's going to get a lot of attention uh, from the Rams that I think makes it a little bit more difficult uh, for him to have some great game. I'm going to take the Rams in this one. I think they look like a better team than they have recently. San Francisco drops two in a row with CMC, in my opinion. Reload. On to the Giants at Seattle. This should be a fun one. Giants coming on strong lately. Now they got to go up to Seattle and play the 12th man. Um, we'll have to see who's coming out for Seattle. Tyler Lockett left with the knee. He went seven for 45. That's five catches and five of six outings. When he's out there, he's good. But he's banged up. We know McCaffrey's also banged up. Uh, or um, Metcalf, rather, also banged up. 
so we like the Seattle run game. We love Ken Walker. He's in a great spot against the Giants. I mean, they're kind of middle of the pack against the run. But Seattle should be able to uh, exert some pressure on New York via the ground game, right? And then their defense can put a little pressure on Danny Dimes, maybe for some turnovers is what they're hoping. For the Giants side of thing, running the ball also is going to be the path to victory. So Saquon Barkley is in a crush spot. I think that opens up things for Danny Dimes, though, knowing that they'll have to pay so much attention to Barkley. So Wendell Robinson, I don't like him. Uh, the time it'll take with the rush to get the ball to him, I'm out. I'm not a big fan there. I will say the Giants, we'd love it if they had Bellinger at tight end, but he's hurt. And so Miarik, I'm sorry I'm butchering his name. That's the backup. If you're in a pinch, you need somebody, you could use him because Seattle is dreadful against tight ends. Absolutely worse in the league. So he should not bottom out. And we want to use him for DFS for this reason. $2,800, again, is going to help us fit in some stacks of high-value receivers. So for the Giants side of thing, the backup tight end, Saquon Barkley, and their defense hanging in there with Seattle. I think Geno may make a mistake or two. Um, but it'll be a back-and-the-fourth game. I, you know, the Giants squeaked it out last week. I think Seattle wins this one because it's at home. I think Ken Walker puts them on his back, and they find a way. They find a way, him and the defense. Reload. Green Bay at Buffalo. Look, Green Bay's defense has been better than they're getting credit for. So I don't think Buffalo is just going to have this uh, tremendously super easy, fantastic afternoon. But certainly, you can't fade Allen, right? Um, the path to victory, Singletary on the ground. He's seeing a lot of touches, so... We love the idea that he'll continue to see a lion's share of touches in this Sunday night game. He's in a great spot. Diggs is pretty foolproof, man, so you can use him. But I also think Gabriel Davis can come on and, and have a better game than he has recently. Really shore up some things for his fantasy owners. Um, Buffalo is at home. They're coming off a bye. I don't see why they wouldn't win this game. Green Bay looks bad. They're losing to bad teams. They lost to Washington. That's really bad. That's really bad, in case you guys didn't realize it. So Rodgers doesn't have anybody to throw to. He's throwing to his, his, his running backs, right? Um, so you got to like Jones from a volume standpoint, even though the matchup isn't great. As far as the receivers go, I mean, Lazar's not going to play. He said he's not going to play. Just got to get out on this guy at this point. He can't help us. Uh, but that opens up things for the other receivers. I just don't know how great of a day that they're going to have. I know... Um, Rogers is going to try to get it to Tanyan, but somebody get this guy some receiver help. They got nothing out there. Buffalo's in the spot to win this game. I just don't think Green Bay will have enough to press it on offense. Buffalo's defense can win this game, in my opinion. Um, so they will probably blow the top off to force Green Bay to try to keep up, but I don't think they need to keep the throttle on all game. Buffalo's going to win that one, and then our final shot will make it a good one. Reload. Cincinnati going on the road to face Cleveland. Cincinnati coming on strong and Cleveland starting to fade a little because the season is long without your Deshaun Watson to it. So they are hurting as they wait for this guy to get back. Um, Cincinnati, on the other hand, has found a resurgence. The offensive line, not necessarily better, but we're figuring it out, right? Like they're getting the ball out quicker, which helps the O-line. That shorter A-dot is helping Cincinnati. And Chase has been able to break some big ones because of that. That's what they were doing last year. That's the thing that they start back doing again this year in addition to running the football is shorter a dot get the ball out quicker right those big plays happen anyway because the run after the catch and so that so we're seeing a closer rendition of what cincinnati was last year and as far as cleveland goes they have a pass rush um you know yeah i don't think you're going to run all over cleveland but certainly there'll be some room there i think we can continue to see the same sort of effort as we've been seeing week in and week out uh from mixing on the ground right so 17 for maybe 81, hopefully he gets into the box or something like that. But it's going to be about Joe Burrow trying to unlock these receivers. They don't have Chase, right? And so we're looking at the rest of the guys here. They have Hurst, though, and I think Hurst is in play in this game for sure. Along with Hurst, you're going to have to uh, think about Tyler Boyd because I do think Higgins will see much more attention. So that's where they go uh, in terms of Cincinnati. On the Cleveland side, you're going to run with, Cle with Chubb. You're going to run and, and do it a lot. Donovan Peoples can have a decent game. I I also don't mind. Um, Njoku is out, um, but filling in for him, I can't remember the backup tight end's name now for, for uh, the Browns, but 
I like him. I think he's in play. If you're in a pinch, you can go there uh, in a game that they're going to have to try to keep up. Amari Cooper is Amari Cooper. Um, so he's going to see his targets. I don't. Th- I think Cincinnati can pay enough attention to him to where I don't think it's necessarily going to be anything um, that you know blows up. So you know, seasonal play him DFS. I'm probably walking away from it. Um, but in terms of Cleveland, they're just going to mostly run the football. Maybe thinking about trading Hunt. So maybe he might not play. So we talked about how you handled that earlier. But this is a football game. I can't see Cleveland winning. I know it's a rivalry game. That'll help them. They're at home. That'll help them. Um, it's a primetime game Monday night. They'll probably not want to get embarrassed. But Cincinnati's rolling right now. And Cleveland's down bad. So we're going to go ahead and say Cincinnati continues to roll in that one. And, guys, that is our reload segment for week eight. Hopefully that gives you guys a better idea of what I'm seeing in these games and how we should attack them. Now time for the part of the show where the process goes over our DFS fantasy football picks for the week. We'll go over cash game plays, tournament or GPP plays, and sometimes talk about stacks that you can use to leverage your wins for the week. Podcast listeners, for our DFS picks for the week. First of all, let's go over the cash game picks first. See if we can't nail it and stay away from injuries this week. Guys, I'm going to give you two cash games quarterbacks. I'm definitely going with golf, like I said, though. If you want to play Kyler Murray, $7,500, no problem. Go for it. But I'm going to stick with golf so I can pay up for a receiver. $5,500, great price at home against Miami, who's had their problems. I want it, I want it, I want it. Wide receiver, Cooper Cup, $9,600. I don't think a lot of people are going to want to pay up for this. Um, I know with no Debo Samuel, this changes the complexion of the game, but I'm still willing to go there. I think it even bodes better for ownership purposes. Justin Jefferson, $9,100. These are cash game guys. I want to fit as many of these guys into the cash game as I can. This is how we're going to get different this week. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, $7,400. Love him as well. He's in a great spot this week in a soft uh, secondary. I don't see them containing him. And then Chris Olave, $6K. That's our other guy that we want to depend on. The targets are there. The, the matchup is there. Tight ends for cash games this week. Hawkinson at 4,900. That's the receiver. You want a pair of golf? That's the one right there. Um, Fryer Muth at $3,900. I love using him this week because I think that uh, Philadelphia defense with the addition of Robert Quinn will be able to add significant pressure. They'll have to get the ball out. Uh, Irv Smith Jr., $3,500. I think that's great value for a guy that can be standing around and scoring a touchdown, if not two. I don't think he runs up and down the field, but touchdowns aren't out of the question. Will Disley, $3,200. I like it. That's in play for sure. No problems there. Same deal. Touchdown prop, right? I don't think he runs up and down the field, but he can score a touchdown. Uh, Running backs, Derrick Henry, $8,400. This guy... This guy is going to run wild. So I don't know if I pay up in the cash game for because I want to pay up for receiver, but um, he should have a fun one. Ken Walker at $6,500. I want to try to get there. Eno Benjamin, $6K. And then Dante Foreman, $5,300 is really going to open up things so we can use those high-end receivers. Those are our running backs for cash games. And then for defenses, Cowboys, $4K. Eagles, $39K. Or I'm sorry, $3,900. And then... uh. The Pats, 3K. I think that's a great value versus the Jets. And uh, for tournaments this week, we're going to go Jalen Hurts, $8,300. Everything runs through him. It's a little higher price than I want to pay for a cash game. So for tournaments, let's roll. Also for tournaments, we mentioned earlier in the show Prescott. We will roll him out here because we know not very many people are going to be on him. So we want to get on it. $6,600, pretty good value for him. Um, Davis Mills, $5,200. I will not miss that play this week. He's in his crush spot. Uh, and then also uh, Willis, 5K. We're going to give it a shot. Last late-minute edition, he's going to go. We're going to play it because many people won't. Receivers, Justin Jefferson, $9,100. Playing him. I have him listed in both, but he's the top-end receiver that I would consider for tournaments over here. Obviously, you can play the cash game receivers in tournaments too, but relisting him there because I had Jefferson in the cash games, and I think uh, originally I had him just as a tournament play. 
So if you want to go like for cash games, Coop, Coop, or I'm sorry, Cup, Hopkins, Olave, leave out Jefferson. That's cool. That's fine. Play them in tournaments. So Jefferson, 9,100. Devontae Adams, $8,600. You know, receptions and touchdowns. That's all this man going to do, right? Score a touchdown or get 100 yards. So we want to take the chance there. Waddle at 6,700. Great price. We can afford it over here. And then Thielen at $6,200. Definitely a nice hedge play versus Jefferson. Brandon Cooks without Nico Collins. We like it. $5,900. Compare him with Willis and go crazy from there. Rondell Moore, $5,100 in a nice matchup. And then also Josh Reynolds, as I mentioned before, 5K. Why not, right? If you want to play golf in a tournament, put him with that guy. Put him with Hawkinson. Right, uh, tight end, tight end. Ertz, $5,100. It's a tournament play because everything is going to go Hopkins first, right? And so I think that if Minnesota can do their part, score points, opens up things for Ertz, Ertz too, I think. Higby, $4,200. So you may want to play Ertz with Jefferson, maybe, is what I'm saying. Higby, $4,200. He's a part of the Ram offense. He's the only other receiver besides Cooper Cup that sees any consistency. Jaseki, $3,800. The Lions are a terrible matchup for tight ends. Jaseki is showing the ability to score touchdowns. I don't think he runs up and down the field, but he can score touchdowns. So we like him. Um, Miarek, or however you say this guy's name for, for New York Giants, $2,800 against a completely terrible offense. Do you guys remember when Hawkinson scored 42 points in DFS? It was against Seattle. Mierick is playing Seattle. Um, and the receivers, they only have Wendell Robinson. They'll be able to show him a lot of attention. I just, this seems too easy, right? Running back-wise, Saquon Barkley, $8,100. We can pay up for him in tournaments. He's in a crush spot. Kamara, $7,100. I think he goes low-owned. I have interest there. Then Tony Pollard to be very popular, 6100 that's why we're going to play him in tournaments and not cash. Najee Harris, $5,700. Love the value that we're going to get there. We'll play him in a good matchup. And then Brian Robinson at $5,600. Can't deny it. Najee Harris will keep us a little different, but we do want to get in some Brian and maybe play them both in a lot of scenarios so we can continue to pay up at receiver. And then finally, for the GPP or tournament defenses, Giants, $2,800. Rams, $2,700 without the Debo news. Um, and then uh, Commanders at $2,600. Those are the plays that I would be sticking to. Guys, those are my DFS picks for the week. We are coming back. The Empire is striking back this week. No excuses. We're winning. So that's how it lines up. You guys know how to reach out if you have questions. But uh, other than that, good luck on Sunday. We're all going to crush together. We'll come back right back next week here and talk about it. Peace. The process is brought to you by Tiger Bomb Sports Audio Entertainment.